Welcome back to the Weekly Driver Podcast. My name is James Rea. I'm an automotive columnist for Bay Area News Group, and I publish the website, theweeklydriver.com. My friend and colleague is Bruce Aldrich, and today we're in Pacific Grove, California. Special guest, Don Martin. I've stayed at Don Martin's Inn, the Martin Inn, a couple of times over the years, and but we also know that he is uh, very knowledgeable in the world of MGs, and it's very rare that a person would have a B&B with an MG museum in it. So, Don, welcome to our program. It's, it's just great to talk to you again. Well, it's nice to have you here. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, I guess we'll start off. We took a little tour uh, earlier before the podcast and looked at the various cars you have, uh, all MGs. So I'm just going to start with when did your interest in, in British cars start? British cars uh, interest started when my dad bought in 1950 uh, a 1949 MGTC, and then I, we both went to the uh, uh, Pebble Beach road races, and we saw an MG win the first road race, and I was racing hot rods at that time, and I thought, gee, that'd be a heck of a lot more fun, and so that got me into involved with the MGs. You wanted a winner, and the winners were MGs yeah, at the time, huh? There they go. were at that time, yes. Sure, that's right. So we've looked at, I don't know, half a dozen cars today so far. I know we, we know that you have a shop nearby, and we looked at your great website a while back. And let's start with the, the car that's, uh, I guess, piqued your interest the most in recent times that you um, took out recently, last year, I guess it was, and, and you did a lot to that car, and you... Not competed, but you showed it, I guess. Yeah. And explain what happened with that with that vehicle, and why it's a very pretty rare vehicle. Yeah, that's a it's a really rare vehicle um, built by Emil Deet for William G. Bell, and uh, who was a MG dealer in Arizona. Um, the uh, the car is um, a pipe frame chassis with a two and a quarter inch thin wall. Uh, piping. Which was unique back in yeah. the day. They're very, very right. rare. There's a lot of things on this car that he, Emil was a, a mechanic and car builder basically for indie cars. And so there are a lot of things on this car that are, come from the indie car genre. Uh, and uh, it has an indie car radiator in it that, that's shaped like the cone. Um, that has the typ typical cigar-type shape of indie cars in the early 50s. The bodywork. The bodywork, yes. yeah. Uh -huh. Great. And um, so in order to get to the, the cone is kind of small at the front, mm -hmm. and in order to get enough cooling capacity, they couldn't make the radiator wider, which is what they typically do, um, so they made it thicker. And so it's, it's eight and a half inches thick which is, a, I've never seen anything like it, but it works really well. And um, I had to have it rebuilt because it sat so long it was full of rust. Yes. So this, this car had a lot of racing pedigree, right? It, what, the pedigree is incredible. Yeah, what is some of that pedigree? Like where did it race and in um, what years? It raced all of the courses that you can think of on the West Coast. It, it raced at, um, it, for instance, at Torrey Pines. It uh, raced at um, um, Pebble Santa Beach, Barbara. I guess, Santa Barbara. It raced at um, um, Golden Gate Park. 
um, raced it here at Laguna. Great. Um, I I have uh, it raced at Pomona. I have a picture of it when it raced at Pomona with it sitting on top of a hay bale, which is not what it, they're supposed to do, but mm-hmm. it's the typical kind of thing that happens with the cars that get raced hard. Wow. You, you mentioned earlier that uh, you were showing us when we first began, I'm just going to call it a tour of your property, the museum, two beautiful pictures, and you explained uh, the man in one of the pictures was your best friend, and uh, but you also drove that car. So using the word pedigree, you have quite a pedigree as a as a driver and a race car driver yourself. So take us back to when you were in your prime, if you will, of being a, a race car driver and some of that success you had. Well, I did pretty well with the hot rods, but then I got married early, mm-hmm. and uh, my wife said. Um, I'm not riding around any hot rod, and the kids aren't either, and we don't have money to go racing, so that ends that. Mm-hmm. So, Some things haven't changed, huh? Yeah, <laughs> there right. You go. So <laughs> I said, okay. So then time came that that uh, you know the kids were gone, and uh, and the uh, financial situation was better, and so I went back to to vintage racing, and uh, and have been very very successful with it. I, uh, I've won card I raced about 75 times. It always was a top 10 finisher, but it's an MGTC. And when you put that out against Oscars and, and uh, um, uh, Porsche 550s, um, it, it, it can't compete with them. Mm-hmm. Um, when I got the Johnny Von Neumann TD special, then I could compete with the, those cards. Um, and uh, and I, I was able, in some cases, to uh, to beat them. I was never able to beat the 550s at Laguna, and so I'm in the kind of situation that that's my home track, and mm-hmm. I've never won there. Oh, I've won maybe 10 times at Sears Point. Mm-hmm. I've, I've come from last to first at Sears Point. I've come from last to first at... at uh, at Lime Rock, um, I've come from last to first at Mid Ohio, um, so I'm, I'm, I, I can be really competitive, and I and I love it. I, I we do our own preparation of the cars. Yes, we build our own motors. I don't have fifteen thousand dollars to give to a guy to build a motor. Right, but we over the years have learned enough about them that I can build a better motor. Great. Do you, you were quite a wrench back in the day. You still are? Do you yeah. wrench much? Okay. Yeah. Um, I, during World War II, my dad was um, the head of the Monterey Herald Circulation Department. Huh. And, um, and so I was the guy that whenever a kid got sick or something like that, I had to deliver those, those papers. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I was always fussing with bicycles, and I had those special bicycles with the little wheels on the front and the great big basket that you could de- sure. deliver papers with. Um, and I fussed with all different kinds of gears and stuff like this on the bikes. And my dad said to me, he said, do you enjoy working on those bikes? He said, uh, you know, we don't have anybody that can repair the bikes for the kids on the paper routes because they're all off fighting the war. Oh, okay. So, 
if if I built a little shed on the back of the garage, would you set up a bike repair shop? And so at eight years old, I was running a bicycle repair shop. That's fantastic. For the That's for the kids the here. And then when the war was over, well, I didn't need the, the you know, men came back from the service and they they operated normal bicycle yes. didn't, so I didn't have to do that anymore. So then I switched to cars. Wow. And uh, my mom's favorite picture of me was one in which was a, I think a 1934 Hudson Terraplane, and all you could see was my feet sticking out underneath it, because she said that when she looked out of the kitchen window at the driveway in the garage, that's what she saw of me all the time. <laughs> that's crazy. Bottom of your shoes, huh? Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Racing, especially back then, you know, they didn't have uh, restraint devices and whatnot. It was kind of dangerous. Uh, you were quite a, a like a gladiator. Did you ever get hurt or no? Any bad wrecks or anything? No, I, I had one um, one serious accident during practice. I've never had a, f a a serious accident on the track in over 300 races that I've run, wow. and I've driven. Um, Formula One cars, wow. uh, you know, um, mm -hmm. not new ones, vintage yes, Formula sir. One yes. cars. Um, I've driven. Uh, I had an Im I had an IMSA license, um, and I drove a, a Dodge in in IMSA, um, and and again, I th I think you can be re really competitive without playing bumper cars, and that's the one thing I l really like about vintage racing. Is you know they'll throw you out if you act uh, like act you're going to put huh? somebody out mm -hmm. of the and you know if you can't pass the guy without bumping him and putting him in danger, then you don't belong on the track. I love that. Sure, um, keeps it safer. Many years ago, you mentioned the Monterey Herald, and I, I worked at the Herald for a year in, in the mid 1980s, and they had an IndyCar race here, and of course they're going to have bring them back in a yeah, couple, couple of months. Yeah, that's going to be It's going to be great. But they had a press conference one day, and they brought in uh, Danny Sullivan and Little Al and um, somebody else. And, and I, I don't know much now, but I, d I knew less then. And I asked those guys if they thought that they were athletes. And they were very kind to me, and they, they explained why they were athletes, that you know, there's no timeouts, there's no halftime, you race your car, and so on and so forth. And with all the success that you had, what, what, what made you a good – I mean, if you did all those races and won many times, what made you a good athlete and a good race car driver? Um, well, I think because uh, I'm the mechanic on the car, too, yes. I understand the mechanicals pretty darn well. Yes. And I understand what it takes to get the car to do what you really want it to do. Mm -hmm. And and uh, somehow or other, um, it, it counts, science count, it sounds kind of strange, but the cars talk to me. And if you're on the track, they'll they'll talk to you if you listen. Mm -hmm. um, wow. I've, I've been to probably 10, maybe 15 schools where, you know, you go and you drive their cars. Yes. And, Bob and they, Bondurant, Skip yeah, Barber type yeah, stuff. All that kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, probably the best one I ever went to was a kart school um, run by Jim Hall down in Ventura. Mm -hmm. um, and and I, I learned a tremendous amount at at all of the schools, but I also learned that what they told you is not necessarily what you need to do. And it's not necessarily what you want to do in the car that you're driving. 
versus the car that they're driving. Yes. Um, and and each one, even even if you have a similar make car, mm -hmm. they they drive a little bit differently. Um, and and as an example, in the old track at at uh, Laguna Seca yes. before they put the in the additional mileage on. You basically went around in a circle. It had a bunch of curves in it, mm -hmm. but you basically okay. went around in a circle. Mm -hmm. But there was one very, very high-speed corner that that they that they got rid of because the, they had too many accidents, and yes. they considered that a straightaway. Well, it wasn't, okay? It had a corner in it, and the corner was off-camber. Mm-hmm in the middle and and the the guys always told me you know you have to force the car through that corner it's the only way you're going to maintain the mm -hmm. speed and because i'd driven it so many times you know i challenged them on it because i said i don't think that's the way to make my car pass through mm -hmm. that corner and uh they said well what do you do i said well, you ride the bump in the middle and you change your driving tactics from one side to the other side because the slope on the road, on the track, is totally different. Mm -hmm. And if you just try to drive through it, you're going to knock speed off and then you've got all of that speed that you've got to carry the rest of the track and then you start uphill and then you make a corner and you're still going uphill yeah. and, you, and, a, and a small car you got to maintain that speed. If you lose it in any particular point of it, if you don't come out of the corner quick enough or you lose it down the middle of the mm -hmm. way or you have to pass somebody and they block you, it's, it's a, difficult to get it back. You don't, you don't have an overabundance of uh, horsepower in those yeah, MGs, no, do you? Right. It's all about yeah. carrying your speed. It's right. carrying the yeah. speed and it's carrying it through the corner. You know, it's carrying it as deep as you can in the corner. Um, and, and then... Um, you know, getting your getting on the gas as quickly as you can out of the corner, and of course, a lot of that is set up, and and uh, and and I've never I've never been able to um, communicate really well what what the setup is to somebody else to get them to change it to do what I want it to do. Um, That's a big advantage, not having a go-between, to yeah. be able to do it yourself. You know, you know what you're yeah. doing, and you know when you change it and you go back out there, you know whether you went the right direction or not. Right. And it, it's little things like um, like a toe-in, let's say, going into a corner. Okay, if you have toe-in going into the corner, it'll lead you into the corner better and quicker. Mm -hmm. Okay? It all depends on how much, though. And then, but then coming out of the corner, it's going to slow you down. So, um, how much of that kind of thing you can do um, is is gets to be very very minute and very judgmental, and um, and and I think it's way beyond the engineering kind of thing mm -hmm. that they that they do now. It's a feel. So it's a feeling. It's a thinking man sport. I can I can see how you're thinking this and, stuff. And if yep. the car's talking to you, then you yep. really got yep. something. That's great. It's not even just thinking about the car that we're talking about, but it's thinking about 
where you are on the track, where somebody else is on the track, what kind of driver that guy is, whether you trust him or not, um, and and what you think he might do versus what you want to do. I was um, racing an, an MGA twin cam in, in the Von Neumann car at Watkins Glen, and um, and I would get I would get passed once a lap by the twin cam, and then when we got to the boot, I'd pass him back, and that gave me a long long straightaway to get ahead of him because Watkins Glen is basically two straightaways connected with the boot on one end and and uh, some corners and the S's on the other end. Mm -hmm. So I got tied up in some traffic getting through the boot and we came, when we came onto the straightaway, he was right close behind. So I said to myself, okay, if he gets past me here, um, you know, I, he's gonna get on the other straightaway far enough away from me that I'm probably not gonna be able to catch him. So I've got to do everything I possibly can to see he doesn't get past me this time. Mm -hmm. So I'm coming down the straightaway, and there's a slower car who's, it's a 90 degree downhill corner at the end of the straightaway. And, and so you can't go too fast in it because it's downhill, you, you go quicker where most of the time you go into a corner, you go slower because you have to go around the corner. Sure. But mm -hmm. this one's tricky that way. So um, there's a car on the outside that, that I'm lapping, mm -hmm. and then there's me, and then there's the twin cam on the inside. So we have three cars that want to go through this, cor this corner together. And, and, and I see him flying along, and... And we get, and I figure, okay, he's gonna, he's just gonna break it, and then he'll try to pass me early. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I notice he's not, so I said, okay, it's a split, you know, split level decision. Mm -hmm. What am I gonna do? I said, I'm hitting the brakes, and I'm letting him go right straight through. Mm -hmm. I let him go straight through. He went out into the weeds. Okay, he was never a competitor after that. <laughs> Love it. That's so, and afterwards, he came over to me and he said, boy, you sure suckered me on that corner. I said, I didn't sucker you at all. I said, I just slowed down when I could see you couldn't make the corner. <laughs> Great. I said, you know, I didn't want to be on the outside of you because I knew you would not make that corner. If I stayed on the outside, you would have taken me out in the weeds right with you. That's a great Wonderful he, memory. Yeah, he looked at me and and then he just turned around and walked away. <laughs> you know, uh, but it was your fault. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's it's my fault. fault. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, Don, you're you're on the Monterey Peninsula, and we we all know that we have well, used to be Monterey Monterey Auto Week. Now it's about ten days or two yeah. weeks long. So Monterey month almost, and you're in an area where a lot of people have a lot of unique cars, and like other people we've talked to over the years, you you take your cars out. And um, you must have a variety of things that people say to you. Maybe they've never seen a car like that before, if it's a young person, if it's an old person. So could you relate a story or two about what people have commented to you over the years? I mean, there must be so many stories. Maybe it's hard to condense. Well, then I take the little sedan 
uh, MG sedan, 1949, yeah. four-door sedan. We saw that. It's a right-hand drive. Yeah, yes. that's, right. that's a yeah, neat car. It's a two-tone green. And yeah, it's, it's beautiful. It's really a beautiful little car. Very nicely designed. It's a car that MG built in 1949, in 1939, mm -hmm. excuse me, in 1939, and they built all the molds and everything else for it, but then they had to stop making cars and turn to making airplanes and tanks. Yes. So they buried the molds, and and then after the war, they brought the molds out, mm -hmm. and in 1949, ten years after the design of the car, mm -hmm. so it's it was not up to yeah up to standards of, of that right. time at all. Mm -hmm. They made the car. They made six thousand of them, but none of them came to the United States. They all went to the United Kingdom, mm. and and that particular car went to uh, New Zealand. And a friend of mine was a TWA pilot, and he was flying wool carpet back and forth from New Zealand. And he had an empty plane coming back. He saw the car in town. He really liked it. He mm -hmm. bought it. He drove it on the plane, tied it down, and flew into San Francisco oh, with my it. Gosh. <laughs> you, know, you can't do that kind of thing today. Not so much. Yeah. In, in, in a... In the 50s and 60s, you mm -hmm. could, didn't, they didn't care that much. No. And, and so when, if I'm going out in the evening, I'll take that little car out. And you know, if, if you go to like a charity event, you know, sure. they'll park, the, guys will take their exotic cars out and sure. they park them right up close. Right. You don't have to park in the back of the parking lot, you know. <laughs> And and so they'll be the they'll be the Bentleys, you sure. know, and 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 the Ferraris, you know, and the and the Audis and all these really expensive cars, mm. and they'll put me up right in the middle of them, and the crowd oh, gather around, gather around it. my little car. You soak you up know, that attention, that, I bet. Yeah, <laughs> that isn't worth you know the down payment on it, or maybe a monthly payment on wow. you know on those other cars. Yeah. So it's it's just fun. Sure. And it know? and it looks like it's. Unrestored, it just—it's like the original patina and all. It, it was or, restored a long, long time ago. Mm -hmm. it, it has been restored. Okay. Um, but but uh, it looks like a daily driver. Like it's a like, daily driver. Yeah. Yes. That's great. And I I put probably seventy five thousand miles on it. Wow. I knew it was something that I'd never seen before, and now I know why. That's right. Now um, maybe the equation doesn't quite work or the comparison but there are people who collect wines and they have lots and lots of wine and they have Rothschild and all these rare wines but I've asked a number of people is there one wine that you're still seeking and I've had answers like well if I got that bottle of wine I'd get divorced it's it's a million dollar or hundred thousand dollar bottle of wine whatever it might be and you know where I'm going with this is there you have you mentioned four or five cars in your shop you've got a half a dozen here or so is there something out there that you still or thinking about, or that may present itself, and would you get another car at some point? I don't. I I don't think I'd get another car. Okay. Okay. I have enough other projects gotcha. that I that I need to get to, mm -hmm. and and I typically, um, when 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 we restore a car, and and I can I enjoy it for a while, mm -hmm. and then if I can't find a way in that that I can kind of use it mm -hmm. all the time. I don't want to just stockpile cars. Gotcha. Um, I, cars are designed to be used, and I want them to be in a place where they're used. Mm -hmm. I've sold 
over MGs are not you know really expensive cars. Right. Sure. And I've sold over a half a million dollars worth of MGs. Oh my gosh. That I that we've restored. That's a lot of MGs. Yeah. That's a and lot some, of MGs. Is it like I've, a business then? I thought it was more like a hobby. Well, it's turned into a business, I mm-hmm. guess. It's. It, it, for, for me, it's it's really a hobby, but it's also a hobby that pays for itself. It's there you the go. the advantage is you know I'm I get thrilled about uh, you know driving a race car around a racetrack and and occasionally winning, and the guy who plays golf, you know, he gets a thrill out of you know maybe occasionally winning or getting a hole in one or something like yes. this, but all of his expenses on the on the uh, on the golf are expenses out of the pocket. Right now, mine are too because I have to buy the parts to build the engine, and I have to buy the equipment to build it with, and and uh, right. and, and I have to go to the track, and I have to pay the entry fees and all of this kind of thing. But because I've concentrated on unusual and rare rare MGs, there are. Hundred and two hundred and three hundred and four hundred thousand dollar MGs out there. Great. Okay, and 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 I've I've restored some of them in that kind of a category. The I had a an MG NB nineteen thirty six NB. They made um, ninety of them. Oh. Okay. Wow. Um, it was the only time they built. An MG with um, the door that opened that wasn't a suicide door. Okay, and it was a particularly beautiful car because they had to make the hinge about two and a half feet long, so the hinge when they opened it, it didn't the door didn't go down to fall down <laughs> under the ground. Okay, so the the hinge point on the hinge would not in the center of the hinge, but they made this beautiful curved line. And, the, and the, the body had that same curved line in it. And the back of the fenders had that same curved line in it. So it's a beautiful, beautiful car. And it was a six-cylinder overhead cam car. And it had been raced extensively on the West Coast, and I'd wanted it for a long, long time and was able to finally get it. And um, I raced it a, a bunch of times, and I, I loved the car. It was really powerful. The, they'd done a lot of work on, on the uh, engine. They'd b- bored it out so that it was a 1500 instead of the old uh, 1198. And with the super and had a supercharger on it. Mm. It had a Wilson mm. pre-selector in it. If you know what that is, you don't know what a Wilson. No, pre- maybe Bruce for, does. For the for the transmission. For the transmission, yeah. yeah. A Wilson pre-selector is um, was in most of the Formula One cars from 1935 to 1950. Um, it it is in effect a semi-automatic transmission. Mm-hmm. Basically it has the all of the gears and the gears are always in gear. Okay? Wow. And all of the gears are inside. But the gears that run work on a clamp. Hmm. Like 
like an old brake that you would have that went on the drive line or an old rear brake that went around the outside of the drum. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is inside the transmission and, and it clamps down and that's when it shifts. Okay, it doesn't shift when you shift the handle. <laughs> okay, it just selects the gear. Okay, wow. that's why they call it a pre-selector. Okay? okay, they are fabulous cars to race once you get used to the transmission. Because what you do, for instance, you come out, let's say come out at turn 11 mm -hmm. at, at Laguna, and you're gonna be in third gear, okay? Um, and you, you punch it, and you move the gear lever immediately to, to second. But you, don't, you can't use second yet, you don't have enough RPMs. Mm -hmm. When you need the RPMs, you hit the engager, which is the floor pedal, and it turns the clamp on second gear. Okay, on, on, on third gear. And then, and then when you get to, to the bridge, you know, you're gonna wanna be in fourth gear, mm -hmm. but you've already shifted it into fourth gear. So you just hit the clamp and it shifts it right now. You wow. know? And, then, and then as soon as you're through with that, you shift it down into second gear again, because you know you're gonna come to, that, to the end ready corner mm -hmm. okay and you're going to have to slow that thing way down and you're going to be in second gear when you need to come out of that corner so you go into the corner you get in the middle of the corner you hit you hit the 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 clamp you know the what they call the engager mm -hmm. on the floor it shifts it for you hit the gas and you're gone now, interesting stuff you, nowadays they have paddle shifters right you don't need to think that through <laughs> yeah you you gotta you gotta think it out, you know, wow. and you gotta know what you're doing. You gotta plan it and so forth. Um, I've I've had uh, uh, two cars with uh, pre-selectors in them, and I I still have one that that I need to to restore. Now you sold the the first one you mentioned earlier. You eventually sold that car. You said. Yeah. You love this so much, but you sold it. So the reason, the reason if I, you don't mind sharing this, the reason. The reason I sold this car, mm -hmm. and, and I've kicked myself ever since, the mm -hmm. reason I sold this car was it had the, the gentleman who, who raced it on the West Coast and did a lot of the development mm -hmm. work on it, he, um, he put, he was an airplane engineer. Mm -hmm. aeronautics engineer and he put Bendix airplane brakes on the front okay but it still had the old mechanicals on the back I could never get them to balance properly mm. okay so you come into a corner and and uh, and you want to brake hard and then the fronts brake really hard and the rear ends going around on mm. you and so you can't carry the speed you want through the corner. And it, it just, it happened over and it didn't make any difference how much I rebuilt the rear brakes. They just would never match the front brakes, mm. okay? And the reason that I became disappointed after I sold it, I learned that they make now a kit that you can buy that converts all the brakes to hydraulic brakes in England, it's an after-the-market thing, and I could have bought it and put it on it and, and never worried about that. That car was incredibly fast, hmm. just incredibly fast. Yeah. It, was, 
it was a 130 mile an hour car and wow. and uh but you know if you can't stop it 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 not is so good. <laughs> not so it, good <laughs> yeah it's, and, and it's not fun mm -hmm. you got from my viewpoint you got to work with a car which is what i did with the original von neumann mm -hmm. car having driven it for 30 years okay i i went through three different anti-roll bars on the front different sizes Trying to get it to handle and break. I get it to yeah. handle exactly how I want it to handle. Mm -hmm. I went through three different sets of of spr of uh, springs. It's independent suspension, so I had the, the you know the coil springs. Right. I had I had the company make up special coil springs just for that just for that car, wow. um, so that you could get that that handling down, and that. That's how with the little car you can beat the the big car. Um, yeah. you, you can come into the, um, the 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 back corner on on a, after you've gone through the carousel at Sears, and uh, and I I can have a Jaguar in front of me, um, let's say an XK120, that's gonna you know guaranteed do 120 miles an hour when it came out of the factory, and and my car could only do 90 miles an hour when it came out of the factory. Mm -hmm. So how in the world can I beat it? Well, I'll crawl up behind Handling. him as close mm -hmm. as I possibly can as we go down that little short chute to the to the the big U-turn at the end. 11? And when, yeah, no, not 11, the one at the top of the hill. Seven? Seven, yeah. Okay. Um, I, I'm not good at numbers with I the I think that's something like corners. that. Yeah. And but you know the one I'm talking about. It's almost a double corner. Mm -hmm. um, but um, and I'll I'll wait. I'll I'll get as close behind him as I possibly can. When I see his brake lights come on, I turn to the right, put my foot on the gas. There you go. And by the time I get to the corner, I'm in front of him, and he's got to pull in behind me. And I and by the time I get through the S's. He can't go through the S's as quick as I can. Mm -hmm. So I, then in that next straightaway, he can maybe catch me, but he's got the same problem with turn 11 as he had in turn 7. Sure. That, you know, if he does catch me, he can't get past me, or if he does, I'm going to pass him right back. Great. So, Don, what's the reliability of these vintage uh, MGs? Oh, they're incredible. Good, you're thinking, Absolutely huh? Absolutely incredible. Okay? But again, the key is... You've got to do all of these little tiny things, and you got to check them every day. A lot of prep work. Yeah, yeah. I I have a full eight and a half by eleven sheet that you have to check out every time you go out on a track, and you you know you check the water level when you come back, you check the oil level when you come back, mm -hmm. you check the pressure in every tire when you come back. Um, you uh, before. Before I go to an event, I've changed all of the brake fluid on the on the on the car. Nobody, almost nobody does those those kind of things. Mm -hmm. um, you, it just it's all of those kind of little details. The, an SU carburetor, Ken Miles, with it ran SU carburetors on his R1 and R2. Okay. He was the engine builder. What? Was Ken Miles the engine builder? Ken Miles was 
one of the greatest race car drivers and oh, okay. car builders this country's ever had. He's the guy that made the GT40 go fast enough. Mm -hmm. If it hadn't been for Ken Miles, okay, and he's the guy that got cheated out of winning Le Mans because they didn't come in in that order. They came in first, second, and third. So he didn't get the credit for the win on it. But he's he's one that if any people anybody who'd run against Ken Miles will say he's one of the greatest drivers of all time. They're, they're, he's going to be in the new movie coming out. They're going to portray him in the new movie, I believe. Right? That's I've heard with with uh, um, Matt Damon and let's see. He, he's been he, he won Best Actor a couple times. So the movie's coming out in in, in October. It's, I think it's called Ford versus Ferrari. Right? Yeah. That's that same guy. Yeah. So we're, yeah. we're going to, it'll be. I want to see that. It'll yeah. be at the forefront pretty quick, that guy in, in, in his, I yes. guess, infamy and, and fame because he's unheralded in some ways. Yes. Yeah. In many, many ways. Yeah. But everybody who was, who's, who was in the racing directly involved or indirectly involved knows Ken okay. Miles. Gotcha. And they know what a driver he, he was and, and, and how excellent his. In, in fact, he was so. I just read on on um, about the starter. I read in an old Speed Age magazine. Mm -hmm. Just read about the starter um, that that used to start all the races on the West Coast. I lost his name right now, mm -hmm. but he wore the really bright shirts sometimes. The with, flag man stood out there. Yeah. Right. The flag man. Right. Yeah. And. And um, he he said that he'd never that he he liked to flag the guys on the track. He said I trust them that they're not going to hit me. That they know what they're doing, and he and and he flagged them on the track. I, I see those old videos, and man, it looks scary to me yeah. though. And he would jump up in the air, yeah, and, yeah, you yeah. know, and and he said I only got hit once. And he said, Ken Miles ran over my toes. Wow. <laughs> okay. That's, 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 Ken would never have hit him. But he, he would have, if it was up to him to, if he was racing somebody to, for the finish line yeah. and he was going to run over his toes, he'd say, I'm running over his toes. Gotcha. Wow. Yeah. Uh, one, one last transition, and it's, it's not a very good transition, but... You, you, you own this inn, yes. and, and you have a museum, which is, you know, we've talked a lot about that. When, when guests come to your inn, are, are many of the guests un, uh, unaware that you have this? And, yes. Or do people come, and do people also come because of it? I guess it works both, both ways. Both. Both. A few people come because of it. Yes. Most of the people don't know anything about it. They're impressed when they're here. Yes. Okay. The interesting thing about it, if I've got a few minutes Sure, more, sure. Okay is that I had the MGs long before I bought the N. Yes. Okay. I had, I bought my first MG. My dad bought the first one in 1950. I bought my racing first MGTC in 1964. Yes. And um, so I've had the MG interest a long, long time. I bought the N and, I, and then when you're doing restoration on cars and you're doing restoration on a building like this, it's about the same. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to do research and find out about things. Well, 
I've learned a lot about the Park family, mm -hmm. the Park of Park Davis Pharmaceuticals. I remember that, yes. That originally owned the, there were five buildings and two and a half city blocks and 59 rooms. And, and so I've done a lot of research with them. Mm. I've even had a number of the members of the family, you know, third, fourth, fifth generation come. Some of them maybe even stayed. Mm -hmm. I am. I heard that the from from one of the um, one of the granddaughters that um, one of the, the Parks couldn't have children, so they adopted two daughters. Mm -hmm. And one of those daughters married an Italian count. And he was a race car driver. I did research on that and found out that that's Count Luriani. Hmm. Count Luriani in 1933 drove an MG K3 oh to win the Italian Milli Miglia. Wow. The most important race of its time. You bet. And a race that the Italians definitely didn't want the British to win. Mm -hmm. So there was, was a, his, That was a terrible yeah. embarrassment. Right. Isn't that amazing? How Did you have the history? Your, your history so and here, you bought it not knowing. Yeah, and here all of a sudden there is a connection, okay? That when the family when the family was here, the the one of the the one of the women in the family, and mm -hmm. again I don't know which relative and this kind of stuff. They went to the local VW dealer, mm -hmm. talked to the VW dealer to selling into selling them a, a Porsche. Mm -hmm. Okay. A, a factory-built Porsche race car mm -hmm. to run at Sebring, mm -hmm. okay? And they came in sixth, which was the highest non-factory-supported car at, at, you know. To come in that high a placing. That, that high a placing, yeah. you know, for, for a, and they bought it through the local um, VW dealer that I knew. So, so you just things things kind of come together. You don't really understand. Like, why in the world did that guy call me about this car? Mm -hmm. If you want another story, that's really everybody that I tell it to at the end just dies about it. Why would the guy call me at nine o'clock in the morning on a Sunday? On um, Valentine's Day on a President's Day weekend to sell a car. I mean, would Don't anybody know. think that that's the time that, <laughs> gee, oh, yeah. Happy Valentine's oh, right Day. Right now, yeah. yeah that's, that's what I ought to be doing at 9 o'clock on right, this Sunday right, right. morning. Okay? And, and I... And when I talked with the guy on the phone, I couldn't believe, I thought it was a crank call, you know. Mm -hmm. I thought some of my friends were playing games with me or something. But the more I talked with him, you know, he I knew about the car and yeah. ultimately why, you know, mm -hmm. and I knew it was him. 
So we made the arrangements to, to get the car, and I said I'd come up the next weekend and the next Saturday with my mm-hmm. motorhome, my trailer, and pick the car up. He said, you know, that was fine. I said, have you got the paperwork? And he said, well, I have it someplace, but I can't find it. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I'll give you 500 bucks more if you find it. So um, Scott, who has worked with me for 20, 25 years mm-hmm. doing the cars, every weekend we work on the cars. Mm-hmm. So it's now 10.30. He shows up, and I say, we got another project. And he said, no, 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 you can't stand it. We got too many projects. Now I said, no, this is a project we have to have. So I explained it to him. And he said, yeah, you're right. It is a project that we really need to have. I said, but you know, Scott, I can't understand why the guy calls me at the time he called me. He says, I know exactly. I said, you didn't even talk to the guy on the phone. Mm -hmm. How in the world do you know? He said, well, number one, it's Valentine's Day. Number two, it's the first thing in the morning. And he realizes he didn't get anything for his wife for Valentine's Day. Three, he says to himself, what in the world can I do to, um, uh, for her for Valentine's Day? We've been married for umpteen number of years. I'm a doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've got everything, everything that we, we need, we yeah. need mm-hmm. you know. So he then goes to her and says, honey, you know, we've had a wonderful life together. I know it's Valentine's Day. I've been thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. I can't figure out what in the world to get you because we got everything. And he says, I'll do anything that you want me to do. And she says, get that blankety-blank car out of the garage so I can park my car in the garage. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Fantastic. Happy Valentine's Day to both of you. Yeah. Three of you. Three of you. That's Right. right. Well, that, that's a perfect way to thank you for saving that close. story. That was a perfect closing to our, our time with uh, Don Martin. Just fascinating history, wealth of knowledge. It's been, it's been great to have you as a guest uh, and to welcome us into your inn. Thank you for that um, on the Weekly Driver Podcast. Thanks so much, Don. Really appreciate taking the time with thank us. Thank you, Don. We appreciate it. Thank Our you. Pleasure. My pleasure.